As we're picking up our Bibles and turning to Philippians 2, I just want to say how blessed it is to come away in the middle of the week. Um, I know many of us have already experienced trials and hardships and sicknesses and things like that, so it's very good that the Lord has provided a place and provided the desire and the freedom to come here and worship Him. If you will, with me, turn to Philippians 2 tonight, and our verse tonight, our text, will be verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, let us pray. Oh, Lord, we need that sweet consolation. I thank thee, Lord, that you are the, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of healing, that you, Lord, in your faithfulness come to our souls. You heal us, Lord. You pick us up when we're cast down. You reveal the, thy mighty, efficacious power of thy blood to take our minds from ourselves and to show us, Lord, that we are forgiven. And Lord, as we turn to thy word tonight, we ask, Lord, that you would be here with us that you would anoint this passage with thy power, that you would speak comfort to the souls of thy people. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We start tonight with the words, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. And that's as far as we'll go. Consolation in Christ is translated peace in Christ. But it's like Comfort in sorrow. Comfort in trials. Comfort in, in life. And so, Paul, as he begins this section, he, he points and says this terminology. He says, if there be therefore any, any consolation or peace in the Lord Jesus Christ, we go from this thought to a bunch of other thoughts. But we can't. We can't until the Lord gives us peace in our souls. He comes and He gives comfort in our times of sorrow. He gives comfort in our times of fear. He gives comfort in our times of languishing. He gives comfort in this, in this very fallen world. He's the comfort. And Paul makes us, or, or in this letter, he turns our attention to the peace and comfort and consolation that's in Christ and in Christ alone. And I have three, three scriptures for you this morning or this evening to talk to you about the peace in Christ. And the first thing, the first one I want to share with you is John 14, 27, which is the words of Christ. The reason this was impressed upon me because Jesus says something about his peace and comfort and his consolation. He says what he gives is nothing like the world gives. In John 14, 27, Jesus says these words. He says, Peace I leave with you. 
Remember, these are the words he's speaking in the last time he addresses his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, my peace, I, peace I, live, I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. The peace of Christ is a gift to his church. And he says, then he, then he says, he says, not as the world giveth. See, there is a peace that we can derive from the world. There is consolation that we get in the world. Maybe we get a bonus. We have a monetary uh, influx come our way and we, we get peace in that. We, we start to put happy thoughts so we have some rest from our bills and things and, and we start to feel a little better about our situation financially. Maybe we're sick. Maybe we're in fear for what reason we're sick and we go to the doctor and the doctor tells us something and our worst fears are not realized. And all of a sudden we have peace in what the doctor said. See, the world can give you peace. We can, we can look out on the, on the radar or we can look out in the, in the maps and we can see a big storm coming our way. And then a day later, we can see that storm starting to move, the finger of God moving it up and away from the state. We have peace again. Because we have all these thoughts about what, how things are when we get hurt, uh, hit by a hurricane. These are the things the world can give us peace in. The problem with that is there's going to be another hurricane. There's going to be another sickness. There's going to be economic hardship. In this world, you will have tribulation. So that peace is only fulfilling for a short time. It's fleeting. And so Jesus says, it's not as the world gives. It's not in carnal things. The peace the Lord gives you is not in a bigger house. It's not in a better job. It's not in a better rank in society. It's not a, a better place in your family. The peace that He gives is in Him. And it rests on Him. So, so He says, Not as the world giveth give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled. This is why He can say to us, let not your heart be troubled, because He gives us peace. So that when He says that powerful word, let, it's a command which is an enabling of the Holy Ghost for us to trust Christ. It's not for something us to do. It's His gift of peace. And when that peace comes, and that consolation comes, then everything's okay. And I want you to see that tonight, because this passage, that's what it starts with. It starts with, if there be any consolation in Christ. We can't go on to the other things Unless there's peace in your soul. We just sang that song, It is well in my soul. And as we were singing that, I was wondering in my mind, how is your soul tonight? Is it well with your soul? Is your soul at peace tonight? Do you have this consolation? Because when the church is given this consolation and this peace, then the whole list of other things we're going to talk about tonight just come right from that. But we first have to be settled in our soul. We have to know that we're forgiven. We have to know that we're numbered among the elect, right? 
Well, that's a gift. It's not going to be anything you ever do in this life is going to make your salvation more sure to you. Nothing. You can't pray harder. You can't read your Bible more. All those things can can be carnal duties. A form of religion that denies the power thereof. The power of Christ to give peace and faith. And so that the first scripture I wanted to share with you about the peace and consolation that we have. If there be any of this in Christ, make no mistake. It's not the peace and consolation the world can give. It's not. Then, if you just turn... It, with me in your Bible over to Philippians 4, we see something in verse 7. This same peace that Christ gives us, it passes all understanding. Now let that sink in a minute because that means any understanding that you have of peace, that you think brings you peace, the things that you rely on, that you that you have peace in, the peace of God and Jesus Christ transcends that. That's what he says here in 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's the conduit. He's the person of Christ. He's the one who gives us the peace. He's the one who, who our peace lies in. And that peace that He gives is not like anything you've ever experienced in yourself. That's what He just told us. So that peace and that consolation is a gift. And it's not like the world gives. And it's greater than anything you've ever understood as being comforted with. The comfort Christ gives is greater than anything you could ever think of the person sitting next to you or the person across from you, or the person up here in the pulpit. I can't give you that peace. But Christ can. And so, the, the, the last place I'd like you to look is if you turn with me, it's the only place we'll go tonight. It's over here in Hebrews 4. Because this peace that Christ gives, it leads to something. It leads to rest. It's rest for the child of God. See, and and that's what's different when you look out the window or when you go to the grocery store or you go to your workplace and you see that man doesn't have peace because the peace of Christ transcends anything man ever has seen or known. And when the Lord gives His church that peace and He's faithful to do it, it's not as the world gives. Now now listen to these verses. Look at verse 2. For unto us, that's the church, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. That's the ones outside of Christ. But the word preached did not profit them. The preached word did not, does not profit the world. Does not. That, there is no false preacher on the face of this earth who preaches a false gospel that anyone hearing it can derive comfort from it. That's what the Word of God says. 
For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. It was not mixed, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Faith is a gift of God. How will they know without a preacher? How does this peace and rest come to the child of God? Verse 3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. The people of God who are given faith in Christ and the peace, the, the faith to lay hold of the peace of Christ, to believe it, to believe that everything is in Christ is good, that He's performed all things for me, that He died on the cross for my sins, that I'm forgiven in Him, that I'm reconciled to the Father through Him. All of that leads to rest in the soul. And so when he says, for we which have believed what Christ said, that's faith, we do enter into rest. And then he quotes Psalm 95.11, which the translators messed up on here. And he said, what it really says is, I have, as I have sworn in my wrath, that they shall not enter into my rest. He's contrasting the two again. So if you turn to Psalm 95.11, which we're not going to, that's exactly what it says. It says that they shall not enter into my rest. He's contrasting it. The ones outside, they cannot enter into this peace. This consolation. So when Paul starts this part of the letter, he says, if there's any consolation in Christ, if you can draw, if the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you have consolation and comfort in the peace of Christ, and you have rest in Christ. Then, then we can go on to the other things. That they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. But they can't get there. See, the, we rest in His finished work. That's what faith g- grabs onto. Christ has done it. He's not looking to me for salvation. He's not looking for me to work something out. He's done it all. But the world's the opposite. They're looking to do because they've got to have a part in it. There's no faith there to lay hold of Christ and His finished work. So then we drop down to 9 and he says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. That's the consolation we have in Christ Jesus. That's the peace we have in Christ. It's a rest. For he that has entered into his rest, the rest of Christ, his is Christ, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. You hear that? We're not working for approval. We're not working for salvation. We're working out of love and grace. Grace comes and grace is energizing and faith is powerful. And then the child of God, that grace is lived out in them. Not to earn merit, but to show forth the grace of His Lord. That His Lord is in Him. That He's done all things. Now turn with me back to our text. Now we come here and we see this again. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, We had to establish that. 
This is the consolation in Christ. It's not what the world gives. It passes all understanding you've ever had about any kind of peace or comfort. And it's rest. And all of this is in Christ. Because now, now that the Lord has established that in our soul, now we can move on to love. We can move on to love. Because we're at peace in our soul. If you have a union that's created in Christ Jesus, you're not going to be able to love your mate unless there's peace. The peace of Christ is in your soul. You know how our fallen minds work. You know how we always run to the worst and the, and the, and the thinking bad thoughts. We need His peace. We need it daily. But look at this. He says, so if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. Well, we have to have the peace of Christ to be comforted by His love. Do you think you've ever been comforted by His love and not been at peace? Because that love is what the Bible tells us casts out fear. You can't do both at the same time. He casts out the fear with His love and we're at peace. We can't love without peace. We can't have that action word of love. If there, there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. Paul said in Romans 5, 5, he said, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. That love, it's the love of God and it's shed in our hearts, our inner man. And it won't be put there, and it won't be shed there if we're not at peace with God. And we're only at peace through the reconciliation of Christ. He has joined that one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He joined our hands and our hearts to the Lord. He was angry with our sin. We've been angry and rebellious since day one. We were formed in iniquity. But the Lord brought us together. The Father sees the righteousness of His Son. The Son puts the righteousness upon us. That's how. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So if there be con therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. Now that's twofold. First and foremost, it's in you. Do you have the fellowship of the Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit reveal to you the peace of Christ? The love of Christ? The other things we're going to talk about tonight. So the question is, do we have fellowship in the Spirit? Of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He testifies of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He preaches the gospel to us that we're saved in Him, that our sins are forgiven in Him, that He's reconciled us, that He stood in our place, that He satisfied the justice of the Father. but also with others. 
That's where the unity of the Spirit. Is there any fellowship of the Spirit with one another? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That baptism that he's talking about is not a physical baptism. It's spiritual baptism. We're all baptized into one body. The whole body of Christ has been born again. They have the Holy Spirit in them that testifies of Christ. Paul said we all, by one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. You know what that is? That's unity. That's what we have in the body of Christ. He's the equalizer. So that's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. He reveals to my spirit the spirit of Christ in you. That's how we're going to have the unity of the spirit. That's how this says if, if you have any fellowship of the spirit. Fellowshipping in the body of Christ is around Christ. It's in speaking about Christ and what he's done. Not the things the carnal, the carnal world tells you is where you'll have peace and where you'll, where you'll be able to commune with one another. The church doesn't. The church, their, their fellowship of the Spirit is in Christ. And, it point, and the Holy Spirit points to Christ. And He magnifies Christ. And that's what we see in each other. And that's what draws the new man of grace to the new man of grace in another. If you look right across, it's, a lot, it's across the page in my Bible, at verse 27 in Philippians 1, right in the middle of it, he says, I'll read the whole thing, he says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit. That's the fellowship of the spirit. With one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see that? We're about to see that word strive again. But it's not used in this. This is used in a good striving. You're, you're seeking the faith in the others. You're seeking Christ in others. If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Well, bowels is the, the inner man. You'll see that in the Word of God. It's used for... Inside you. Paul said in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The, the peace, the consolation in Christ is strengthened in the inner man. But the inner man also makes up the mind and the heart and the affections. The things that we love. And so we see here, bowels and mercies are put together. So the strength of the Lord to us is to reveal to us His mercy. That, hey, they're new every day. I mean, that, I love to think, when the Lord quickens that to me every morning, it's, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like seeing the sun out. You just know the day is new and the Lord's mercies are new and you don't know what they are. That's the goodness of the Lord to show us His mercies. Those mercies that endure forever. 
But I want you to listen to Lamentations 3.32. Jeremiah said, But though he caused grief, who is the he? Who is he saying that causes grief? It's the Lord. Romans 8.28. He brings... There, the God, God's sovereign hand is over all things. And He brings grief to our souls. But why? Because we're too prone to go to this world. We're too prone to go to man. We're too prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. And so the Lord chastens. And He brings us back with that crook and the staff. And his rod and his staff, they comfort us. But, he's, but Jeremiah says, but though he causes grief or sorrow. Remember, this is consolation and sorrow. Yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. That's why I put that in there. Bowels and mercies. It's a multitude of mercies. When you see that word multitude, it means innumerable. Can't be counted. A multitude of mercies. So as the Lord brings grief in our life, as He does, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, shows us that we are a sinner. Does He leave us there? Are we there to wallow in our pity? Are we there to wallow in in the sinners that we are? God forbid. And He must forbid it. And He does. He does by showing us the mercy that His Son has died for us. That He has put it away. That He has stood in our place. These are the things we have. If there be any consolation in Christ, you can't get to any of this unless you have peace in your soul. The reconciliation of Christ in your soul. There's no fear of an Almighty God. There's a, there's a reverent fear knowing that He holds my life in His hand to do what He will with it for His purpose and His good pleasure. But I'm not sitting under a rock saying I'm hiding from God because I'm reconciled to Him. I'm at peace with Him through the blood of the Lamb, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we travel on to verse 2. Paul has already told us once a few weeks ago, or it was for us, it it wasn't that long in this letter, but he told us he had such joy in preaching Christ. Well, if your joy is in preaching Christ, what other joy do you have? In seeing the fruit that the Lord brings of Christ being in you the hope of glory. Fulfill ye my joy. That's what he says. It's my joy to see Christ work in you. It's my joy to see you resting in Christ. It's my joy to see you trusting Christ. The, the effects of the gospel is what the, the gospel preacher loves to see. Preaching Christ who's worthy and then watching Him work given faith to see Him work. Not just the preacher. The hearers. Given grace to see Him working in your life. To see Him mortifying those sins that you hate. 
to see Him leading you in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That's joy. That's what Paul's talking about. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. What does that mean? Well, we're, we're building this week to the, to the crescendo, which is verse 5. Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Lord willing, next week we pick up in verse 5. On the other side, and what does it mean to have the mind? But here we see it in 2. That you be like-minded. Does that mean we all got to like football? Does that mean we all got to like pizza? No. He's talking about the like-mindedness of loving Christ supremely. Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. And then he says, well, first he says that you be like-minded. Equally affectioned one to another. We're all equal in Christ who's the head of the whole body. And then he tells us, having the same love. Well, that's kind of twofold, too. The same love we have for Christ is the love we should have for one another. Because that's His love. That's the gift He gives. But that, that love that we have amongst each other that goes between us is the love of Christ. That's that same love. So as Paul's writing to this group of people over here, and this group of people over here, and this group of people over here, they all have the same love. The like-mindedness is the love of Christ. And so that's what he's saying, that we all have the like-mindedness and, and the same love that's coming from the same Christ, that's emanating from the same Lord, and we have oneness. We have the oneness in the doctrines of grace. We have oneness in the gospel. We're not arguing over the Word of God. We're not straining at a gnat to, to swallow a camel. We're praising the Lord for His revelation of Himself in the Holy Scriptures. Together. Like-mindedness. Filled with His love. To love Christ. Being of one accord and of one mind. Same thing, like-mindedness. But then it goes to verse 3 and he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now here's where we start to have problems. Striving over words. Arguing. That's the first thing. Let nothing be done through strife. He just got done talking about what the unity of the Spirit, the fellowship of the Spirit. We fellowship in Christ's love. There is no striving. To be, to have the preeminence if Christ is your life. If Christ, if you've laid hold of Christ by His faith. If the love of Christ indwells you. Vainglory is single mindedness in itself. That's not found in the, in the body of Christ. Paul said, now John. John wrote this in 3 John, verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. He brought out one that was in that fellowship that John wrote to, 
He said that one there has the preeminence. He's, he's, he's putting forth his gifts. He's putting forth who he is. He's promoting self. John called him out. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, received us not. And those who want to have the preeminence among themselves will never receive anyone but themselves. Because they're looking out for all numero uno. Number one. But Christ has crucified that in His church. He mortifies that in His church. He gives them the mind of Himself. And that's how we have like-mindedness. That's how we're all on the same page. That page is Christ. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I remember when I used to teach the kids in school. I used to write the acronym on the board, JOY. Jesus, others, yourself. J-O-Y. Always putting others above yourself. Jesus is always first. What does Paul say? In lowliness of mind, meaning you're humbled. The humbleness of Christ. And we're going to see that next week, Lord willing. Because now we're going, to, we're going to get into more detail what this mind is. But this is like a preface, Paul is saying. He's prefacing his words and getting into the depth of Christ's mind. Coming up to it. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But... In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. You know what? You know what mindset will remedy self? Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You know, if the Lord reveals to us that we are the cheapest of sinners, we're not going to be looking at our brother. We're not going to be we're not going to be high-minded toward our brother because we know, and that's the one thing the Lord reveals to us. We know our hearts better than anyone else does. We know those thoughts that come into our mind. We know how wicked it is. Oh, may the Lord impress upon us that we are the cheapest of sinners. That's how we will always esteem others higher than ourselves. If we see ourselves as the chiefest of sinners. That's His work. That's His debasing work. That's how He humbles us and He makes us decrease as He grows. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. As He grows in us. He increases. We decrease. That's the work of Christ in the soul. Remember how we started tonight. If there be any consolation in Christ. Is that where you are tonight? Has the Lord humbled you in that way to see yourself? Or are we still pointing out the sins of others? 
Because that's where peace is. Peace is in your relationship with the Lord. Him revealing yourself as a saved sinner. You can't, you can't be looking at that, that moat in your brother's eye because that beam in yours is way too big. And you're unworthy to be saved. But you see His worthiness. Because that's what He reveals. That's the loneliness of mine. Verse 4, he says, Look not every man on his own things. Now that's not telling us. It doesn't mean to neglect what God has given you. That's not what that means. It means not to seek yourself and your provisions over others. You're not seeking applause over men. You're not seeking the stations in life over men. You're not um, seeking man's approval over man. You're not seeking to... Not, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What are we looking for in others? We're looking for Christ. We're not looking for the carnality in this world. Because we'll find that. We're looking for the preciousness that lies in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we've heard tonight. That's where our communion is. That's where our union. And that's where our consolation is. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then we leave you tonight with the words in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And Lord willing, that's where we pick up next week. Because now we've seen the blessedness of what peace and Christ and comfort in Christ is. And now we're going to have to define what Christ's mind is. And Paul does. And Lord willing, we'll pick up that next week.